Well, good morning, Journey. You know, if, if you were to go out and try to buy some major works of art done by the masters, you better get ready to spend a little bit of pocket change. I did some research this week, and at the top of the list, the price ever paid for a painting is Leonardo da Vinci's Salvatore Mundi. There's a picture of it here on the screen, I believe. This was purchased in November of 2017 by an anonymous buyer, but later it was supposedly the crown prince of Saudi Arabia bought this painting by da Vinci, and he paid the current record price of $450,300,000 to have a painting of Leonardo da Vinci. So that's, that's the top. Now, number two is a painting called Interchange by Willem de Kooning. This, this painting was purchased by American Ken Griffin in 2015 for a cool $300 million. I mean, just beyond comprehension. Not only is the painting beyond comprehension, but the price that they paid as well. Man, I thought I, I could do that for a whole lot less than $300 million. <laughs> Now, the third painting that's on the list uh, falls into this new art movement called Grade School Expressionist. <laughs> now, th this was done not by da Vinci or de Kooning, but by eight-year-old Sarah Fremstead, also known as my daughter. And th this one hangs in our bedroom, and it depicts our wedding day. Now, you notice that Dory there takes center stage on the canvas, a lot of wedding dress, and I'm that little head on the side <laughs> peeking out. <laughs> but the price on this, priceless, not for sale. You couldn't pay me enough to, to let go of this wedding day expressionist painting. You know, we are going, we're going to begin today a new series of message through the book of Ephesians called Masterpiece in Progress. So over the next several, several weeks, we're going to dive deep and explore this New Testament book. Ephesians is a letter, or the scholars call this an epistle, written to a group of believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding regions. The city was located in a major metropolitan hub and training, training, trading center in Asia Minor on the coast of modern-day Turkey. Now, the author of Ephesians is the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it from while he was in prison in Rome about the year 60 or 62 A.D., now, earlier in his life, Paul used the city of Ephesus as a kind of a ministry base and if you read in the book of Acts, he spent about two years in Ephesus ministering, building a church, and working with believers there. So Ephesians contains only six chapters, but they're power-packed chapters that will impact and encourage us over these weeks to grow in our faith and change our lifestyle according to God's plan. So why study a book like Ephesians? Well, Number one, it deepens our understanding of the gospel. There's a lot of superficial teaching out there today, but when you get into Ephesians, we're going to take a deep dive into what the Apostle Paul calls the boundless riches of Christ. And we're going to see that unfold in these chapters. And it's a great place to discover the true meaning of the gospel. Another reason to study Ephesians is that it magnifies the importance of the church. 
As we look at his pages, we're going to see how the church is central to God's ultimate plan and purpose. And, and it, we see that the church takes the top spot on how God works amongst his people. Another reason we're going to study Ephesians is that it's really a very contemporary letter. It's relevant for churches today, for our lives today. Uh, one commentator I read said that uh, this could easily have been written to a modern-day church. Now, typically, when the Apostle Paul would write and when he would write his letters, he would often deal with a, a situation in that local church. There might be some heresy going on. There might be some moral division, some sin issue. But in Ephesians, we encounter very little of that. It's more reflective and less corrective. And it's a, it's a general letter. Like I said, it was written not only to the church at Ephesus, but to the surrounding churches as well. As well. So they would pass this letter around uh, for the other churches to, to read it. And because of that, it, it has that more reflective nature. And it just resonates with us as we're going to see. And, you know, Paul easily could have written this to a 21st century church. But also as we dive into this over the next few weeks, we're going to see that it offers us some very much needed grace-filled encouragement. And if you feel tired in your faith, if you feel beat up, if you feel lonely, if you feel confused, I mean, then welcome to Ephesians. This is a book for you. In our souls, our lives, we need the description of the gospel that's described in there. We need the gospel every day. And, and even though Paul is writing this letter to believers located in, in a local church, he devotes the first three chapters of this book describing and, and telling them what the gospel is. And then the second half of the book, starting in chapter 4 through the end of chapter 6, then he describes how we live that out. If this is the gospel, he says, then how does that impact our lives and our relationships? And that is so relevant for us today. And ultimately, we are studying Ephesians, most important of all, because it affirms that you are a masterpiece that you yourself are a masterpiece of infinite worth in God's eyes. That's why the series is entitled Masterpiece in Progress. As, as we get into chapter 2 in a couple weeks, we, we are going to see that we are God's created workmanship. We are His, His uh, masterpiece creation. But we are a work still in process and making progress, becoming more and more like His Son. You know, our, our mission here at Journey is helping people find, follow, and be like Jesus. And the book of Ephesians is a great tool to help us in that process. So let me, let me just encourage you this week to pick up the book of Ephesians and just read it from chapter 1, verse 1, to the very end of chapter 6. It only takes about 20 minutes to read the entire book. Read it multiple times, you know, read it in different translations to get new meanings or listen to it on audio when you're driving. So today we're diving in and we're picking up in chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bible, if you have your app, find Ephesians and we're going to work our way through this entire book through the weeks to come. Now chapter 1 
kind of begins with this framework of praise. There's just a lot of praise language. There, there's the, these uh, bookends. It begins in praise and ends in praise. And in the middle, there's all this exclamation of praise. And four times throughout the passage that we are looking at from verse 1 to 14 today, this language of praise. So what, why all the praise? Why does this book start out with praise? Why celebrate that we are a masterpiece of the Father? Well, because when we are in Christ, the Scripture tells us that we are blessed. We have been blessed with a spiritual blessing. And that phrase of in Christ or in Him or some variation of it is used 11 times in these 14 verses that we're going to look at this morning. And that's a key idea idea that we're going to see. So what are these blessings that bring about so much praise? Well, first and foremost, we are chosen by the Father. Let's pick up in verse 1 and read what the Apostle Paul writes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Journey, God desires us. God doesn't force himself on us. He wants us. He desires a relationship with us. Therefore, he calls all of us to turn away from the one thing that can prevent that relationship or inhibit that relationship, and the Bible calls that sin. The biblical writers describe sin with a variety of terms and a variety of ways, but the best way that I can describe it is that sin is a condition or activity of human beings that is offensive to God, our Creator. So that's a broad description, but it captures what sin is according to the Bible. And the more we become aware of God's holiness, the more we begin to discover who He is and just how holy He he is, the more and more we become aware of our own sin. So God receives us when we turn away from that sin. And the biblical word for that is repentance, turning away from sin and back towards God. When we turn back towards God and put our lives under the lordship of his son Jesus, when we accept him, that's what the Bible calls being chosen. And when we are chosen by God, it just communicates just invaluable worth. That's why I love that word masterpiece. If you are a masterpiece, you are priceless. And that's how God sees you. He looks at each one of you and says, I choose you. And to be on the receiving end of that, man, that is a life-giving, life-affirming thing. Man, it just warms your heart, heart knowing that you have been chosen for a relationship by your creator, God. 
So God chose us and he adopted us. God predestined that whoever would accept Christ would be adopted into his family. And all of those who are in Christ, that key phrase, in Christ, are now in God's family. And that's determined by our own personal response to Jesus. You know, what I love about the Journey Church family is I see just a lot of fostering and adoption that takes place here amongst families at Journey. You know, I I see how so many of your families have welcomed children into your homes, into your family, and have showered them with love. I see how you're in it for the long haul. You know, complete integration as one family unit, fully absorbed, fully enmeshed as one. And in some ways, that's a picture of what it looks like to be in Christ, in God's family. Because I think God looks at us in a similar way. When, When we say yes to Jesus and become a disciple of him, we move into that place that the Bible calls being in Christ, and we are in God's family. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as the ugly stepchild, you know. He sees us. And he doesn't, see, he doesn't look at us and see our sin. He sees a child. He sees us as a family member. He doesn't look at us, therefore, for performance or results. He sees his son Jesus in every one of us. And he says, you're mine. You are mine. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're family. You are God's masterpiece chosen by the father because we are chosen by the father the apostle paul just exudes this language of praise but he doesn't stop there because he can praise uh, our father because we are second of all redeemed by the son we're chosen by the father we are redeemed by the son let's read on in ephesians and pick up in verse 7 in him, in, in Jesus, we, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Because we are a masterpiece by, created by God, we are redeemed by Jesus the Christ, or the Messiah. Re- redeemed is a biblical word that simply means a, a price has been paid. God the Father demanded a price be paid for the sins of the world. And that's why all of the, as you look at the Old Testament, you see all of these sacrifices going on again and again. And they're sacrificing uh, cows and goats and sheep and doves because the price that was demanded was blood. And sin, sin holds us in bondage and demands that a ransom be paid. Sin holds each of us in a, a spiritual prison under its strongholds. And the price of sin was paid, it was redeemed, as it were, through the life of Christ. That was the cost. So what what does that mean for us? 
It means that not only did God create you, but he also bought you. So twice you are his. The price was the blood of Jesus paid once and for all. And I love how Paul writes later in in the book of Colossians, he says, referring to Jesus, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's another reason for praise, for for celebration. That's why we can celebrate every time a person says yes to Jesus. It is a cause for celebration. So we are redeemed and forgiven through Jesus. That redemption and forgiveness, they go hand in hand. They're linked together. So no matter what your background is, no matter what your sin, no matter what you've done, no matter how low you think you've become, Jesus extends a hand and lifts you up because he has paid that price. And when he lifts you up, he brings release from that sin, removal of the guilt and shame. He completely erases it, deleted, removed, never to be brought back again. As I thought about this, I was reading in Psalms this week, and a couple verses in the Psalms really struck me about this new life that we have and how much God has removed sin from us. One is Psalm 103, where it says, As far as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions or sins from us. That's a beautiful picture When you think about how far really is east from west, well, it keeps going, doesn't it? That's how far God has removed our sin, our shame, and our guilt. You know, with redemption and forgiveness really comes, like I said, new life and new beginnings. My wife Dory has told me over the years, only half-jokingly, that she would not have liked the old Dave in the before Christ years, in my B.C. days. And, and I don't blame her. She would not have given me the, the time of day. But with the forgiveness that I've received in Jesus, I'm now changed, and God has began and continues to do a new work in my life. And one of my favorite verses that I keep going back to that I kind of bank my life on is 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I love that. God gives us a new lease on life, a new purpose to live for, a new reason to get out of bed every day because of Jesus Because he paid the price, he redeemed us. Because he forgiven the sin, wipe wipe our slate clean and give us a new beginning and a new life in Jesus. So we can celebrate, and Paul celebrates throughout the scripture because we've been chosen by the Father. Second of all, we've been redeemed by the Son. And thirdly, we are sealed by the Spirit. Let's pick back up in verse 11. It says, in him we were also chosen, or other versions say, in him we've obtained an inheritance, or we've been made an heir. We've been chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. 
And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Again, Paul ends this section with those words of praise. Why does God do all this? To the praise of his glory, to give him the glory. So this scripture reminds us that an inheritance in ours, and we don't have to wait around for this inheritance for some distant relative to pass away and leave it with you. No, it is ours. It's here. It's now. And through the Holy Spirit, we are marked and sealed as an heir. You are marked for ownership. You are marked, you know, with authenticity that you are in God's family as an heir. And this Holy Spirit is this first installment of what's to come, a down payment, a deposit, it tells us. So how does this happen? How do we receive such status? How do we receive such a future? Well, from a divine perspective in these verses, it's all according to God's sovereign purpose and plan. God's God. He's the one in control. He's, he's the one calling the shots. From a human perspective, it's because we have believed. And Paul mentioned the responsibility that, that we have as well. Because in verse 12, he tells us that we who put our hope in Christ, in the next verse, in verse 13, he says, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in him, so this mystery that God makes known to us is God's sovereignty and our response to that. We receive this inheritance when, when we hear the gospel message. God moves in our hearts and we put our belief in Jesus. You know, these opening verses of Ephesians 1 are filled with praise because of the blessings that we have received. And I hope these blessings to you this morning can be an encouragement because you are a masterpiece. You are chosen by God. You are redeemed by the Son, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And as a masterpiece, you are of infinite worth. I want you to hear that this morning. I know some of you are out there not thinking very highly of yourself, or you're holding on to the, the shame of sin, the guilt of what you have done, I need you to hear that you are of infinite worth. That through the gospel, you are not only purchased, but you are forgiven. And through Jesus Christ, you are given a new beginning, a new life. And all that because we say yes to Jesus and are in Christ. Those two key words that are going to keep coming back as we study Ephesians in the weeks to come. So let me ask you this morning as we close, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Have you, have you been on the fence too long and or maybe just checking Jesus out? Have you said yes to him? Are you ready to step into his family to become one of his chosen as a masterpiece? If so, come talk to me after church today. 
talk to Adam, you know, let's have a conversation of what those next steps look like for you. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you today just for the scripture that reminds us of who we are in you. That in you, each one of us is this incredible masterpiece of incredible worth. So Father, help us to make those steps to say yes to you, to live our lives in you and through you and because of you. So Lord, we pray this all because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And we pray this in his name.